0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you, worship team. They did it again. We could just pray and be done today, couldn't we? My soul is full and thank you guys so much. Thanks for being here today. Good to see everybody. We, uh, want to just start by saying a thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of our pastoral team and our families for the Christmas gift that you gave us above and beyond. And we, uh, and also as Doug mentioned last week, you encourage us, you Pray for us, and it is just a joy to get to serve you as pastors. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. It's our church family, and excited for where God's leading us. And it was, as Wes mentioned, it's neat that we get to worship today here on the eve of 2024, the last day of 2023, to just pause and thank God for his goodness to us, but then also to lock in on the mission. Like, all right, remind me again. What are we to be about, Lord, and and to see this, uh, the mission before us, which is we often review to help one another become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And our theme this year is disciple following Jesus together, and our hope is that we would live with increasing surrender to his leadership, and that we would uh, live in that spot that we, scripture uses the Greek word telion, but it means mature or complete, like ready to do his will in this time and place, whatever that, that may look like for you. And so it's with that uh, that desire, that hope, that prayer, that uh, theme in view that next week we launch a five-week series that we've been praying about for several months now, or about six months, where we just sense the Lord leading us to a really important time. It's called core work, and it's that idea of, okay, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. That I can predict with one hundred percent certainty in twenty twenty four, you will face a trial. It's coming, and as followers of Christ, those trials can either be like an ocean wave that we get up on and surf, and they propel us in the direction we want to go, and and uh, or it can be something that crushes us. God has given us all the know how we need in His Word to meet each trial as it comes. And there's different kinds of trials to meet the trial, to understand what what he is doing in that and to surf that, to to get up on it and let it propel us in our life mission versus being crushed by it. And we're calling it core work in that it's that idea of, you know, and having a strong core is essential to movement. Spiritually, we want a strong core so that whatever trial comes our way, we're ready to flex with it and uh, accomplish the mission that God's Called us to accomplish. So, five weeks, five core truths beginning next Sunday, and excited for that. Next week is also a big day, as it's the day that we, as a church family, pick individually. This is kind of a low grade tradition that we have of one word, our one word for the year. So, this is the week that's primed to be thinking. All right, where is God at work in my life? And Lord, what do you hope to accomplish in? Welcome Buckners, you're going to throw me all, all day, it's it so good to have uh, the Buckners with us today, <laughs> sorry, so I'm seeing so many people too, college students, it is good to have everybody, so sorry, welcome everybody, Dan, thank you man, <laughs> talk to you afterwards, but uh, where is God at work in your heart, in your life, and then saying, okay, one word that summarizes it, and then you take that word and you attach it to a truth, and so throughout the year, it brings you back. All right, we're in February somewhere and oh, what am I supposed to be doing? And come back to the word, remember the truth. And by 2025 January, hopefully that truth and that word, what God's doing in your heart is is part of your core reflex to life as well. So you're not even thinking about it, it's just who you are. And so if you're new to this, it's, it's a neat idea and we happy to talk more. But this week, if you want to text me your one word or email me your one word, I'll share some of those next Sunday just to give us all ideas and and get our minds rolling. An example, my one word for this past year was hungry. And it was that Out of Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul's writing, he's at the end of his life, and he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And so my prayer has been, Lord, keep me hungry to do the main thing. My only aim is to finish this race and complete the task that you've given me. Keep me hungry for that and let, let that hunger fuel on it. It has been helpful. Okay, to our to our uh, message today, Christmas coming. This week, we enter that unique season of winter that has a bit of a melancholy tone to it, doesn't it? Old Anxion, uh, you can just play it on the piano, but you know the snow turns into rain, and it's just that kind of, um, we're pulling the lights, the Christmas tree lights, one by one, our, the the trees are going down. How many of us have already pulled the tree. It's going down, man, a lot of us. This week, it's a tough moment when our town will pull the plug on the lights that have brought joy to Whoville all season long. And, and you drive under the, the lights on your way to work, and it's just dark, its and it's hard, and we're all so sad. But for the follower of Jesus there is a light. As all the lights get pulled, there is a light that continues to burn bright. And in fact, as the winter descends upon us and the times of darkness descend upon us, figuratively and in reality, it's a light that that burns even brighter. And it's the lights of home. And this is where we get to lock in on today and fix our eyes on the good day coming. Our focus today shifts from Christmas past to Christmas coming. Throughout scripture, God calls us again and again to lift our eyes to the the good day coming, to the lights of home, and allow what we see to fill us with hope, energize us to be about what he's called us to be about. So the big idea today is see the good day coming. Our hope is as we wake up to 2024, Lord willing, tomorrow and each new day that we would wake up with the lights of home burning bright in our eyes. But the challenge is, It is easy to become distracted by all the stuff of this world, isn't it? And just lose sight that the lights of home and the good day coming, our Lord's return, can fade into the backdrop of what we think about a lot. And sometimes it's the hard times of life that get us scrambling and, and focused on here. Sometimes it's the blessings of life, isn't it? Where life is just really good and we like it here. And so we stop thinking about the good day coming. Whatever the case, we struggle with distraction. And so the gift of our text today, God has given us a word through the disciple Peter to help us stay focused on this good day coming. Four action steps to help us live with this day in view. And so we'll, we'll discover the first one there in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Verse 1, Peter writes, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. And when he says, dear friends, it's my loved ones. And the the English translation of the Greek does not do it justice. It's the root word agape, which is that idea of the the most um, intense love that you can have for someone. He's, this is how he's writing towards these people. And this is God's heart towards us as we come to his word. Dear friends, This is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. So a key word to circle there is reminder. And then thinking, these are to help us think right, to uh, sincere thinking, pure thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets. So remember uh, what was prophesied. We know a third of scripture is prophecy, given to give us hope and call us to holiness. And the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they will say, where is this coming he promised? And so the first action step, remember the promise, I will return. Remember our Lord's promise, I will return. Here Peter is emphasizing the importance of of bringing what we know back to our mind, remembering and he's like, hey, I've already written you, I'm going to write you again, and I'm telling you something you already know. And as I was thinking about this in our journey, isn't it really a a long journey and a, a series of rememberings and bringing to mind? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, what God has, has told us. Remember. As we look back to the Old Testament and see the people of God struggle, what was their primary malady? That, that in, in infected them, and it was spiritual amnesia. They forgot, forgot, forgot who God is, forgot what he called them to, what he had done in the past, what he was leading them to do in the future, and so here Peter is just, all right, remember this. Remember the promise that the Lord gave us that he will return. Remember this. Call this to mind, and you say, how do we do this? And we we have the actual moment that Jesus told his disciples, John chapter 14, verses one to four, is one example where, remember, he sees their fear and sadness filling their eyes, and he's like, hey, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, and, and I will come to take you to be with me, and, and one of them asked, how do we get to be, go to this place? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we know it's through faith in Christ that we um, will be with him, and and then another place to, to remember this is when the Jesus ascended after his resurrection, and you remember what the angels said to the disciples. They're standing there looking in heaven, and very clear the angels repeat this promise in Acts chapter 10, uh, 1 verse 10, where it says, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And so we put this on repeat and we remember this. And then we remember this in our, our good moments, but also in our hard moments. This is one of the the promises that that fuels our hope in the toughest moments of life as we stand at the graveside of someone that we love. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 4 Verse 15, Paul writes, According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, those who have passed away. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And this is that beautiful doctrine of the rapture and the, and, uh, and the bodily resurrection of those who have gone before. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so the calling of God today, see the good day coming. Remember the promise. Re- repeat the promise. Hear it again he promises, I am coming for you. And we know nothing else has to happen on the prophetic timeline of scripture. His coming is imminent, could be today. And then the second action step we see is answer the skeptic. And as we read this text, we can read between the lines, This there was something going on um, in the culture where Peter is writing into where people are, uh, there's some skeptics and some critics and Opposition that the people are facing, and he's writing to equip the Christians as that. And the answer of the skeptic, his delay is by design, is the answer. We see this beginning in verse 3, where he says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And so today, we continue to live in what the New Testament writers called the last days the days before the coming of of Christ and what we can expect and he's like hey know this this is what's going to happen there's going to be people who are going to come mock what you believe mock the promises of God and so what's the the promise that these skeptics are taking a sledgehammer to what are they going after and it's the it's the return of our king in verse 4 they will say where is his where is this coming That he promised. And ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And so here they mock our Lord's promise with two part, a two-part accusation. The first part is the delay. Like, why the delay? Why, Why hasn't he come? And then the second part is God doesn't intervene in his creation, and he's not going to, where things just keep on going as they've always gone on. And so God through Peter, equips us with truth to answer both of these accusations. Peter will, will answer them starting with the second accusation and then go into the first. Accusation part two, the world has always been going on just like it, it has today. It's always been, always will be. And so Peter says this, verse five, but they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being the earth was formed out of water and by water, and by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. So speaking of Noah's flood, the flood during Noah's time, by the same word, the present heavens, so the, the world in which we live and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. And so this first um, answer to accusation part two the world, it's always been like this, it will always be, God does not intervene in his creation. Peter's like, look again, look again. The way that these skeptics are seeing history is with a bias where they're deliberately ignoring, and he points to two very clear events. One, creation, God created all of this by his word, but two, he intervened in his creation through the flood, and with water, he brought judgment. And here he's saying, we have the word of God that, that on the, uh, the next big event on his, his timetable is the it's, it's not water, it's fire and fire will burn all that is. Jesus, when he was here, Matthew twenty four thirty seven to 44, spoke of this day and don't have time to read through that text, but, but his big thing was, hey, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be at my coming. People will be saying, "Hey, where is this coming?" And they'll be going about their everyday business. Two people will be out in the field. One will be taken in the rapture. One will be left. And then he, end of that passage, really the emphasis is: so live ready, live ready. Don't let my coming catch you like a thief in the night. Be ready. And in First Thessalonians chapter five, we know as Christians, we we won't, we don't have to be surprised by this. He says it doesn't have to be like a thief in the night for us, for we can be ready. And and uh, Living ready for His coming, and then Peter addresses the the first part of the accusation, which was the, the delay. The Lord's not coming back. He he, why the why the delay? I mean, it's been so long. It was long for them, but how much more this accusation on us? It's long for us today. Why the uh, why the delay? And Peter addresses this in verse eight where he says, but do not forget this one thing, my, my dear friends. And again, he's reminding us of something. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And so once again, he's like, remember this, don't, don't forget this. And what is it he wants us to remember? God's perspective of time is radically different than our perspective of time. He exists outside of time. He exists in the eternal present. And so when the timing of his coming seems like a long time or the timing of anything that he is is, uh, working out in our lives, remember this, remember this. He is always on time and he can do in a day what would take a thousand years to do or he can, you know, for him a thousand years is but a day and, and time is just different for him. And so trust him and know he's, he's always on time. Peter goes on though to give us a window into God's heart which is just a precious truth where it says, verse nine, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. So why the wait? Why hasn't Christ returned? And here we, we get the window, it's God's heart. He is patient, he is merciful, compassionate, and he is waiting for us to repent. He doesn't want anyone to perish, and so that we would turn to him in repentance and faith. The word repent means a change of mind about who he is and, and what he's done for us in Christ. And then faith is the means by which we receive his promise, the gift of salvation. And today, if you're here and you haven't received the gift of salvation, the, uh, the urgency of this text and this truth is, why not today? For maybe today he could return. And would, would invite you to just step into the joy of a relationship with him through faith. And And Christ died on the cross for our sin and offers forgiveness of our sin and then a relationship with him that's eternal through faith. But then for those of us who know him, you know, as, as we walk with him, why? how do we use our time here? And I think this this truth reminds us He's delaying so that people would come to him. Therefore, our mission, our primary objective is not investing in stuff that's gonna burn, but investing in people. You know, it's the people priority and helping people in their walk with Christ come to know him and and to follow him. But it's always thinking about the skeptic though. As you think about the skeptic that would come to you and cause you to doubt the Lord's coming. Have you ever had a person like tomorrow morning at work, are they gonna show up? and say, the Lord's not coming back, and just hit you in the face with that. Maybe, probably not though. But I believe the skeptic is just as real, and maybe even more subtle and dangerous in our culture than than in this culture. And it, as it takes the form of living for the things of this world that are temporary, and we feel those around us chasing possessions, chasing positions, chasing Um, just all all the things, stuff, status, privilege, all the things that we chase in this world that are temporary, that that vie for our affection and our, our worship. And as everyone chases these things, but we live for another day, we live for the end game or for another kingdom and don't chase those things. There's moments when we can get the quiet shame. Do you feel that? Or you feel quiet shame? And value systems that that don't match the value systems of those around us, and and we get that shame, and, and we get the thought, "Are you really gonna not go chase that?" And like, hey, yeah, um, because I believe that that He is coming, and I want to live for that day. Answer the skeptic. His delay is by design, and his delay allows us to be about his work. All right, then to the third action step we see in verses 10 to 12, and this is where it gets challenging. Peter hits this hard here, but it says that, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. And so the third action step here is to live in light of his coming, holy and godly lives the question there: since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people are you to be? As I was letting this question just sit on my soul this week, it it was like a smelling salt throughout the week, just uh, slowly waking me up to um, think about who am I becoming and, and what am I chasing in life. And he says, "The day of the Lord will come like a thief." reminding us again that this could be today, you know? And often there's the thought, yeah, life's just going to keep going as it's it's going, but the reality is it could be today. His return is imminent. And his question here is, so what kind of people should you be? So thought about that question. It's significant what he doesn't ask. He, He doesn't say, so what should you be doing? Like, okay, if the Lord could come and could come today... Let's go save the world. Shouldn't we be about this big, you know, concerted project of, of doing this or doing that? But, but he focuses on who are you becoming? Isn't that interesting? It's, it's a, more about what we can control and becoming more like Christ, being holy and godly. What kind of people am I, are we becoming? Who am I becoming? And I love that, too, from the standpoint of this is doable, you know? And as we think about responding to the coming of Christ and, and being about his work, we know we do this together, it's as a team, and uh, he says, all right, now, so in light of this coming, be holy and be godly. You say, what's it mean to be holy? And it's an interesting word, often we immediately think of purity, and there's, that's a part of it, but the primary emphasis of holiness is separateness. It means when you have a holy something, you have taken it from the ordinary place and you have moved it over here for a special purpose. It's holy. So in the closet, I have shoes that I wear out on every day, but then I have a pair of holy shoes that are for basketball. They've been set apart for a special purpose. We are a holy people. God has saved us on purpose. And you say, what's the purpose? And we could describe that many different ways, but you can summarize it that we would live a life that is faithful to our King and hear well done on the final day. Accomplishing what he's called us to accomplish. So I was thinking about this calling. An uh, uh, experience came to mind from freshman track. A group of us, a group of friends were like, hey, let's go run track. This is more of a thing to do than a passion. And so we, uh, we were set apart as track runners wholly. Uh, unique. Calling, wearing the Danville Warrior jersey, representing Danville, we were we had a place on the team, we had a a, a place to practice that we had a track, we had time that had been set apart, holy time to uh, to run. We had a coach, we had and we had a uh, a place to or we, we would have a race to run. So Mr. Bradshaw, our coach, one day sent us down Mill Street, go run a couple miles down Mill Street and come back. Well, we uh, took off and to our delight. My, our friend Todd's house was on Mill Street or not far from Mill Street. And so we're like, Hey, we could, we could drop in on his house, eat some Twinkies, watch some TV and then catch the team on their way back. And so, yeah, let's do that. So we, we um, did that first day we got away with it. So let's do it again. And we thought, man, this is great. We can, we can experience all the benefits of being on the team, part of this team without the pain and the sweat. Well, when, when were we found out? Oh man, that first race was not a pretty sight. And we were so bad. We were so slow, in fact. Todd was black flagged. They, they actually stopped him before, they, like, just get off the track. You're, you're too slow. The, the race is over. We had a holy calling, but our conduct did not match the calling. And here God is saying, hey, in light of the coming, The day that we will answer for our lives and and the calling that we've been given, let your conduct be holy as you are holy. Set apart as God's people with a unique calling. But then he calls us to godliness. And you say, what's that mean? And it's kind of a broad word, but when you see the word godliness in scripture, other translations, piety or um, devotion, the idea is be like Christ, be like God. And it's that uh, growing to be more and more like Jesus so this is our call, and You say, well, how do I do that? And again, I love the fact that this is doable for us. And it's not in this great, grand, um, you know, resolution that we're going to make that's going to transform our lives. It's in the routine habits that God gives us in scripture that we summarize in five habits of a Jesus follower, five habits that we see in the life of Christ. The words worship, reach, connect, grow, serve, where we just gather every week for worship. And we seek to grow in our love for God and love it that even today, your presence and throughout this year, it's so neat to see is I'm just going to come together, receive the word of God, but also express my love to God. And it's going to be a habit of my life. The second habit is reach that I'm going to be praying and and interacting with one life, one person who's far from God, growing in compassion. The third habit is connect. I'm going to surround myself with a group of people who love God and love each other. And we're going to go after God together. You hear the truism in secular culture where if show me your closest five friends and I will show you who you will be and what you'll be doing in five years. The world agrees on that. God had that long before, that's discipleship, isn't it? And connecting in a small group of people who are going hard after Christ, loving each other, loving him, and we become more like him as we go life, do life together. And then the fourth is the uh, growing in our faith, of living vibrant faith through the habit of every day, we wake up and we pray, Lord, give me my daily bread. Give me a food, a a, a verse to live on today and help me walk with you in prayer. And we start the day, or um, throughout the day, we walk in his word and prayerfully with him. And then the fifth is serve, where we just say, okay, I'm going to build into the rhythm of my life, a serve routine, serving in a ministry in my church family. And with humility, where's the need? And I'll drop in and and serve there. We have this uh, just received word that Yesterday, that an opportunity has arisen this week with our church family in Lebanon, Trailview, a church we've been partnering with, and really just trying to help thrive. They're um, at that season in two weeks, January fourteenth. They're going to launch a kids ministry, which is a huge opportunity to love on the people in that community and and reach families for Christ. But they're on Saturday from nine o'clock to twelve o'clock. They're going to go. Get the, get the house ready and do a deep clean of the church and get the nursery ready and are asking for help. So throw that out to you. If you have an opportunity or even if you can give an hour or two on Saturday, it's that opportunity to just go serve and, and um, join in what God is doing. We'll send an email out later this week too. If, if you'd like to be a part of that. All right. On to the final action step that helps us stay focused on the good day coming. This is the, the climax of the text here in verse 13 where uh, peter writes but in keeping with his promise so again the promise is in view we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells the action step here is look forward to a new heaven and a new earth i love it in this text if you notice he says but in keeping with his promise we are looking forward to a new heaven and new earth this is something we do together isn't it When we get together, we we stoke each other's hope. In fact, remember Hebrews ten, where he said, "Don't stop meeting together. Hold on to this hope that you have, but don't stop meeting together. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. All the more as you see the day approaching." You know, so one of our things that we do as we get together is just remind each other, "Hey, there's a good day coming." And are you seeing it? And let's keep our eyes on it. New heaven and new earth. Jesus said, I am making all things new. Revelation chapter 21, 22, you can read up on that. I love the way C.S. Lewis said it about the things of life that we enjoy, those pleasures, And, and even this past week, I'm sure many of us enjoyed time together and just the gifts of life. He said, these are but whispers of home." in essence. And he uses the imagery, he says, they are the scent of a flower that we have not yet found, the echo of a tune we have not yet heard, news from a country we have, ne- we have never yet visited. And later he writes, I conclude that if in myself I find a desire that no experience in this world could satisfy, the most probable explanation I was made for another world. At present, We are on the outside of that world, on the wrong side of the door. We cannot mingle with the splendor that we see. But all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not always be so. One day we shall get in. The cleft has opened in this pitiless world. And we have been invited to follow our great captain inside. And following him is, of course, the essential point. Have you ever noticed the, the, uh, the little hill at the end of Mackie? when you come down here to 200 at the stop sign? If you come to the stop sign and then you look left, there's this rise, and I think there's still two trees. That stand, they stand there like soldiers, centuries that are looking over the hillside. And I love that hill in that it, it speaks of the hope of what's beyond, just over the hill, to, to my soul. And I, I wonder what's on the other side of that hill. And I just picture, you know, a uh, a me- meandering stream that, that runs through the the fields and, and disappears out there in, in the uh, wood somewhere. I picture some giant sycamore trees, you know, standing up, those white trees like are down at Ellis Park that stand up over this stream. I picture the meadow fading down into a, a a uh, pond, and there's, you know, fish are swimming, and ducks are are, uh, flapping around, happy kids are pulling out bluegills, or just doing what, having a great time. I picture the, 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 uh, beyond the pond, that the land kind of rises up with the clover field, and then disappears into what is lawn, and there's this beautiful white farmhouse, where wrap-around porch, front porch, and a happy, happy family. And if you could see the sunset, if you happen to be beyond the hill when the sun sets on a a July summer night, it's the stuff of songs. I mean, break out your guitar and just write yourself a new song. It's that beautiful. And if you don't do music and can't play the guitar, it's okay because the crickets and the tree frogs and the lightning bugs and the stars cover the aesthetics and, and make it magic. Life beyond that that, um, hill. It's gotta be beautiful. So a couple weeks ago, I'm driving down 200 and look over to that property and there's a car that had pulled up on the hillside and I'm assuming somebody was gonna get out and go look to see what was on the other side of the hill. And I was thinking, this is it. This is my opportunity to go see what's on the other side and something inside of me immediately screamed, no, don't do it. Why? I don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> what if it's not as beautiful? 1 Corinthians 2 9 and 10. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived. The things that God has prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. My brother, my sister. If you are trusting Christ, child of God, know this. One day, as real as this moment is, as real as today is, you will see the other side, and you will not be disappointed. As the lights of home come into view, (laughs) you will see the place, a real place, that he has prepared for you. You will be with a perfect God, in a perfect place with a perfect people forever. And God says, never let this place drift from your view. See the promise. Live on it. Let it fill you with hope. There is a good day coming. I'm homesick. Are you? Can't wait. The day our God wipes away every tear. There'll be no more death, no more crying, no more suffering, no more pain. It is a day that uh, joy will resound. We will know joy as we have never known it. Souls fully satisfied for all of eternity. See the good day coming. May this day own our focus as we go into 2024 to serve our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for just lifting our eyes to this light that will not fade, the lights of home. And Lord, we thank you that we can call this home because of your grace and your mercy through Christ. And if there's someone here today that hasn't trusted you as their savior, Lord, I pray that they would make this day their salvation day and step into the joy of walking with you. For the rest of us, help us to live with this day in view. Lord, give us the faith to play the end game, the long game, and not get caught up with the distractions of this world, but to, uh, but to live, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.